This is Dubai Eye 103.8. We've got a massive exclusive yeah. this evening. You've been in conversation with a man who I think is the people's champ. I'm not talking Dwayne Johnson, the rock. <laughs> no. I'm talking a man that a lot of people I think can uh, relate to because he's Very a normal so. bloke, Tom. Yeah, Fleetwood. he really is. And he, he remains unaffected by his stardom, his superstardom in the world of golf. He won the race to Dubai back in 2017. Last year, you may recall, if you're a fan of golf, if you were at the DP World Tour Championship, he was battling out with his big friend, Francesca Molinari. Um, they were the two. Uh, Mollywood was the team that um, yeah. tore the Americans apart in the Ryder Cup. And Tommy Fleetwood has really just been on upward curve, which he's managed to maintain for the last three or four years. And he's established himself inside the top 15 of the official world golf rankings. And he remains very down to earth, very amenable, very amiable guy. So I caught up with him a couple of days ago and um, it's been announced that he will take part in the 31st edition of the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic at the famous Majlis Golf Course, Emirates Golf Club, between the 23rd to the 26th of January. He's going to be playing with former winners, Sergio Garcia and Danny Willett. Those two would go on to win a green jacket. Danny yes. Willett has subsequently won the DP World Tour Championship and the, the PGA Championship at Wentworth as well. Louis Eustazen will play. He's won an open back in 2010 DeChambeau we know he will be defending his title and former winners Rafa Cabrera-Bello Henrik Stenson um, are also playing alongside the likes of Lee Westwood Matt Wallace Ian Poulter Matt Fitzpatrick good field decent field that they've assembled but um, Tommy is having a decent season not his best not as good as he had a couple of years ago his highlight was a runner-up finish at the Open at Royal Port Rush which tied his highest ever finish in a major still yet to break through on the yet major, to break through but that's I feel like that's around the corner for him he was six shots behind Shane Lowry on that occasion he's sixth in the race to Dubai title or at least the race to Dubai order of merit so I started the conversation by asking him whether it was achievable that he could win a second race to Dubai title to add to the one he won a couple of years ago well it is achievable I think I think the way the season finishes that like this year there's so many points that are for grabs towards the end of the year I try not to be one that looks at all different kinds of scenarios and look at the tables and everything but you know for me I think I've got three three events left on the European tour but, but all with you know, lots of points up for grabs and it would be great. Um, I think in 2017, as the season progressed, it became a massive goal for me to, to win the race to Dubai because I, I was in such a strong position for it. And then last year, I kind of didn't set out to do that, but ended up with a really good chance coming into the to the end of the year. And then, it, you know, it, it didn't quite happen. Didn't quite play well enough um, in the last event in Dubai. And then this year, again, it's it's not been a goal. So then you get to the end of the year and I don't want to make it a bigger thing, but it would be, we know anything can happen. I'd love to finish the year strong and have a chance. And I think just any time you, when you know you've got four days left of the season and you're still in with a chance of winning the overall grandest prize on the tour, you know, with such a short period to go and, you, and you're there till the very end. So that's exciting as well. He is a normal bloke, I think. And I don't mean that disrespectful. He's no. just kind of one of us. You always yeah, feel he that said, he's... he's and very... He was actually on the phone with him for about 20 minutes. Well, it, I was asked to keep it to 10. <laughs> and I said to him, listen, I'm sorry that I've kept you 20. And he said, oh, don't worry, I, I talk a lot. It's my problem. But listening to him there, and I mean with this with the greatest of respect, he's had a bit of media training, so I feel. Oh, unless you and him are booze and buddies. Maybe. Uh, maybe he's more comfortable on the phone. Yeah, very, very um, much. He, he's often, we've seen him in the press conferences in, in Dubai, and maybe he's a little bit um, deer in headlights slightly a because little. he's got like 12, 12 journalists around him asking him questions, and he hasn't been accustomed to that level of scrutiny. You've got to remember that he's been a pro for a while, but it's not since a couple of years ago that he's actually ascended to that point. But I had to ask him to look back on the Open. Uh, it was such an amazing tournament. It was the first time in Ireland for over, I think, 70-odd years it was since the 90s. 
1950s that it had been held in Ireland. And um, it was a highlight. He finished second. He did actually fail ultimately to put enough pressure on Shane Lowry. But I asked him how he felt when he reflected on that week at Royal Port Rush. I think I tweeted after it and I said it was just, I felt like it was just a spectacle for sport in general. The atmosphere was unreal. And I think teeing off on that last day, so the back nine on Saturday was amazing because Shane was in the last group and we were the group in front, but the, both of us had a little bit of momentum. He had a bit more than me and you could just hear the, the crowd building, the cheers building. And it was it was electric, really. And then on the Sunday, I think we said on the... We were walking down off the second tee and me and Shane looked at each other and we kind of both said, I don't think there's much point talking today. We can't hear each other anyway. And, and again, like... To, like when the event finished, it's it is a strange mix of emotions because realistically, it was my, it equaled my best finish in a major, it equaled my best finish of the year, and it was a great performance. But you know, for me, um, while my career is still going, the Open is always going to be the one event that I want more than any. Like that's that's my dream. I'm British and I want to win the British Open. And when you've come so close to like a, like an ultimate dream like that. It hurts, like it hurts when you're coming off off the 18th green. But um, I mean, realistically, there's so many positives to take from it, and I played so well. I felt like over the weekend, being in contention in a major again, felt like I handled myself really well and played some really good golf. So um, you know, you had to be happy about it. And uh, you know what? In a strange sort of way, kind of enjoy the conditions on Sunday. It's just uh, it's part of what the Open's about. I'm pretty sure when we get to uh, Dubai in January and November, we're not going to have to go through that. So that's that's one positive that we've got to look forward to there. <laughs> He's absolutely right. There he yeah, is. You won't get 129-yard seven irons here. No, that's for sure. Refreshing as well. We often talk about it. I know you are someone that you talk very eloquently, Rob, about the mystique of Augusta National, the Masters. Again, coming back to it, and I hate to use the same word, a bit of a, a kind of normal bloke there, but he's like, no, the Open, the British Open, is the one for me. That's the claret jug. Is the one that yeah. I want to have in my hand. As he says, he's uh, he's from near near Hoylake, Southport, Tom, Southport, Southport yeah. Yeah. big Everton fan, big Everton fan. We won't hold that against him. <laughs> Listen, at least it's not <laughs> the other side. Of yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, he's he's very down to earth. The world number fifteen, a man who is hugely popular, arguably on his day, definitely on his day, top three European tour player. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Rory, if you think about Tommy, it, and who? Uh, Henrik John right Rahm now, probably not, yeah John Rahm John Rahm would be the, the kind of new guard Danny Willett's back in yeah you know, he is back, back in very much back in contention Bernd Wiesberger believe it or not He's is currently one. leading the, the race to Dubai following his victory in the Italian Open but the big news is that Tommy if you haven't heard is coming back to Dubai not just at the DP World Tour Championship but he will be playing in the 31st edition of the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic which takes place at Emirates Golf Club 23rd to the 26th of January it's an amazing event it's the oldest yeah golfing event in the Middle East on the oldest and first golf course in the Middle East. We've obviously spoken highly about this tournament. And we are privy and it's... to one or two things that the organisers have planned for 2020. It is going to be, it's the old cliche, bigger and better, but one or two things. And we are now, we often talk about it, entertainment is at the root of mm. these sporting events. They want to transcend. And we've seen it in Abu Dhabi, the DP world. We've seen it as well, the Omega Dubai Desert Classic, continuing to move the product forward. Exciting times. And Tommy Fleetwood is delighted that he will be taking to the Modulus course. Yeah, we're 
we're looking forward to that. We're going to be building up to that over the course of the coming months. Let's get back to this interview with Tommy because one of the big talking points, and I know you've had, you've been a big detractor uh-huh, of the new major schedule, Chris. It. Justin Rose agrees with you. You'll be pleased to know. It's been one of the biggest talking points of the year and I had to get Tommy's thoughts on it. It's weird. You walk off the 18th holiday open and you don't have a major for eight months. I mean, you used to, so you walk off and you know the Open's not for a year, but actually not having a major for eight months is a long, long time. And especially when you've had such a big run of majors because, you know, they all mean so much. It's like, well, you know, all of a sudden it feels like, oh, you know, we've got nothing. I mean, you have so many big things to play for. You have the FedEx coming up. You have Race to Dubai, DP World. You have so many big tournaments coming up. But, it, you know, you feel like you're just losing majors. You, like for a long time you feel like there's nothing coming up i think i think the most important thing is and i think what people probably have you know had to get used to or realize this year is that if you're not ready to go in april when the masters starts if, if you're on, if your game's not on it's very difficult to find it in that period and have a chance to compete in those majors so i think people's preparation is going to be different i think people's you know the way that they want to peak is going to be different and it's something that we're just going to have to get used to and, and work towards and I think that was it you know if, if you're playing well I think the schedule's great um, and if you plan accordingly I think it can work really really well because if you get on a hot streak in summer you know you could potentially have a career defining year Yeah I tell you what Rob and I should probably apologise to our listeners I haven't really thought of it like that before and I think it was maybe you or Greg Spruill who was with us a couple of weeks ago that said this but that kind of hits home that in actual fact the bunching of these majors now ensures that as Tommy says there, if you get hot by April, you've got a greater chance of winning a lot more majors now because you're in form, because they're cantina that little bit closer together. Yes. I mean, again, it's hard for us to have a real insight into this because we're not out on the but tour. What he's playing, saying is right there. I always feel like if you, it's very rare that players, Brooks Kepka has shown an ability to do it. A few years back, oh, Jordan Speeth. Jordan Rory. Spieth did. Rory's done it. But, but yeah, but the top, top players have shown an ability to do it. But if you break through and win a major, often the, the scale of that achievement and the peak that you achieve when you actually do it, we've seen time and time again that player suffer a little dip. Danny Willett is a classic example when he won the Masters. He went into a slump. We've seen a lot of players, a lot of, I guess we've been about one-hit wonders an hour or so ago, a lot of golfing one-hit wonders who've just won one major and then disappeared into obscurity. Popping you on the spot, the ultimate one-hit wonder in oh, golf. Oh, Sean McKeel probably. Ben Curtis. Ben Curtis, Sean McKeel, ben Curtis. Todd Hamilton. It was a load, wasn't there? Todd Around. Hamilton, yeah. yes. Yeah, Jean van der Velde was near near to winning the, the Open Paul that Laurie year. Paul in that regard. Yeah, Paul Laurie, although he was not a one-hit wonder. Well, Paul Laurie. Didn't win another major, did he? He played in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, but come on. Sean McKeel was, he's up there. Rich Beam in the 2002 <laughs> PGA Beam. Championship. But uh, oh. yeah, send us, any golf fans out there, send us your best one-hit wonder golfer. Ben but, Curtis for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, I like the way Tommy kind of backtracked on himself because he doesn't like it, but then he kind of went, well, actually, if you can get informed by April, it can play to your advantage. As we saw with Brooks Kepka this year, even though he only just did one win one, they come thick and fast and it takes a lot out of the players, I think, all that intensity in such a short period. Mm. But finally, the uh, the other big talking point I had to quiz him on because funnily enough, um, Tommy was up against Rory McIlroy, not just in the Alfred Dunhill Lynx tournament, but in the Pro-Am, Tommy and his amateur partner managed to beat Rory and his dad, Jerry, on a countback because Tommy's final round on the Sunday was lower than Rory's. <laughs> so uh, there was a little um, uh, sort of particular there. But after that tournament, McElroy came out swinging when he said that the European Tour setups weren't tough enough. 
he'd had a, a frustrating day on the old course. And um, I asked Tommy whether he had a fair point or whether those words were just a little heated and said in the spur of the moment. It's a tricky one. I think statistically the scoring's lower on the PGA Tour, but I, Rory played a couple of rounds there this year, the Scottish Open and the Dun, you know, the Alfred Dunhill, which is effectively a pro-am. And of course, the setup was pretty easy there. But I think the Scottish Open, I think the setup there was was too easy. You know, you're trying to it's the event before an Open, and I think that setup was too easy. Uh, to be brutally honest, um, you know, that's not really, you know, it's a great event, and I think it should be set up more like the week before, uh, the week after. So it should be set up more like the Open. So yeah. I don't think that one works that great. But you know, I, I just think there's differences on the PGA Tour. I, I think um, in general, if the course is set up. You know, a bit easier on the PJ Tour. Scoring's very low, and you know that. And then, but you do get the ones where there's there's very very difficult setups, but people still you know manage to score. But you know, the margins for margins for error are smaller on on some PJ on some PJ Tour courses. But you still get you do get events in Europe where where the scoring's very tricky. If you look at a course like the French Open, if you look at I mean Madrid last week, apart from John Round, the scoring. The scoring wasn't that great. If you go to a course like Hong Kong on the European Tour, the scoring never gets away. You know, there's, there's different tests and different style of golf. Um, it is what it is. I think the scoring's always going to be pretty low at the Dunhill. But, you know, Rory's played on the Tour for a long time. And, and he's, you know, he made a decision this year to sort of push for the FedEx. And, and that worked out very, very well for him. There is nothing wrong with the Scottish Open. I feel like I've got to say that. I'm flying I kind the flag. of agree with Tommy here. It's too easy. Well, I think it should it should be designed to prepare the players. It should be for yeah. the Open. So if you've got a really easy setup and it's a benign links courses, they they rely on a bit of wind. But if you if make no it wind, too Bob, straightforward, what yeah, you want? wheel in the wind machines. No, sure, and no, I I appreciate that, but I still think that the course should be a test. Yeah, it should be a test, and and typically the Scottish Open tends to be a little benign and one with a score of 25, 26 yeah. on the par, which we never see that winning the Open Championship. No. And it's a bit odd. If you're a player, you want to get into that frame of mind. I should point out, Rory did later apologise. He said that the point still stands. He just said that the on the sidelines of the Alfred Dunhill Pro-Am were probably wrong to voice mm. those opinions, yeah. given the fact, as we heard there from Tommy, that course is set up a little easier to allow the amateurs a little chance and to ensure that, that they're not leaving with awful memories of playing in the event. But, uh, I mean, my view of it all is, OK, you're hitting 15 under, Rory. If other players are hitting lower than you, just play better. Simple as that. Yeah. Just play better. You know, you're not getting rewarded for good golf. Well, someone is. Your competitors are. You've just got to play better. He's, he's implying that it's turned into a putting contest where really what he wants to see is a driving contest because that's the big strength exactly. of his game. Exactly. Can't please everyone. He certainly can't. Oh, Rory. Tommy Fleetwood, though, what an amenable guy, as you rightly point out, Rob. We're looking forward to having him back here, DP World Tour Championship, coming back as well for the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. What a field they're putting together as well. We will keep an eye on any more announcements as we go between now and the next few weeks and months. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.